lovely. Well, welcome, folks, to church this morning. As I said before, uh, I'm going to bring to you a, a devotion that uh, I had the privilege to share with our Year 11s and uh, up at um, Bronsley Park a couple of weeks ago. And every morning we take uh, about 40-odd, year, 50 Year 11s up a steep hill in the morning, 6 o'clock. Frog had the fortunate job of waking them up, and that's no easy task. <laughs> 50 teenagers up the hill and we sit on top of the hill and watch the sunrise over the Flinders over Wilpena Pound. And that in itself was just a brilliant way to start the day. Just brilliant. Each morning we, were, we would bring them a devotion. So each staff member brought a devotion to the children. And for me, I had it on my heart, the concept of perfect. And so the idea of the campus for the year 11s going into year 12, their final year of schooling, is to prepare them. Uh, a bit on you know, self-serving themselves, getting themselves fed, a bit of camaraderie in their year level, but also just talking into them and into their lives of going what next year would be like. Now, when I was at school, uh, I certainly aimed for perfection, dismally failed many times, um, and, I, and I spoke into, into that, I suppose, that challenge for me personally, um, but also in general, like we knew many of the kids there, you know, they're aiming for that perfect score or that perfect assignment or that perfect, perfect, perfect. Um, but even if a child or someone doesn't get it perfect, well, that's it, I'm giving up. And that's not what life's about. So I gave them three examples of my life, which is just the tip of the iceberg, and as I'm sure many of you could uh, relate to, that bombed out greatly. It's just been terrible uh, outcome, and uh, I thought I'd share these three stories. So normally I would have, I would love to have these photos up, but uh, there's a funny story about the photos and the proof and the evidence of these. So the first one that I can recall was when I was about year two, and my mum was a hairdresser by trade before she stopped working to have us as kids, my brother and I. And uh, mum would always have her hair beautifully done great haircut. I got away with a bowl cut. Uh, some of you might know what that was and it was a fashion that should never ever come back. Uh, but I had uh, bright blonde hair much like our nephew that's running around and um, for year two photo day I was going to do my hair and my mother, bless her soul, said okay. And so uh, I had gone into my bedroom. I'd gone also to my mum's craft box and I'd found this fantastic mess of, it was like a nylon ribbon uh, it burns if it gets near heat. It just shrivels. That's how good it is. And I thought it was just the prettiest thing and I wanted to wear it in my hair for photo day as I did my own do. Anyway, I'd spent some time on it. I come out to mum in the kitchen and said, I'm ready. <laughs> okay, that's lovely. Right. Okay, and off we go to school. And so I'm walking around with this fantastic creation on top of my head. Very proud of myself, by the way. I thought it was the best thing. And we get to school and even the looks on my friends' faces, I remember their reactions sort of, oh, oh, it's your ponytail then. Still thought it was fantastic. And I will never forget the reaction of the photo people. So every year we would line up in our big line. We're only 30 kids in our primary school, so <laughs> 30 small children lined up. And I'm not sure if you ever remember your photo days, but we were given a plastic comb. It was the best thing. You got a free comb. Love free stuff. Still love free stuff today. And so they'd each divvy out a comb so we could just brush our fringe or brush our hair and make it look perfect. Anyway, so they came to me and <laughs> they came to give me the comb and went, oh, I was in turmoil because I wanted a free comb but I had nothing to do because it was perfect. <laughs> and the lady sort of, with a big bang, went, no, not today. And she went, oh, okay, 
So I get up to the seat and in you come Amy. No worries, sit down, pose, lovely. And, uh, and the photographer said, just do the hair. And the lady beside him comes over with her comb and went, no, this is done. And even her reaction and the photographer went, oh, okay, no worries. I had the best day, it was fantastic. Photos come out a couple of weeks later and I looked at that photo and I just died with embarrassment. <laughs> oh my goodness, even as a year two, I know what a bad hairdo looks like. And in the photos, it turned out terrible, terrible. I had aimed for perfection and I failed greatly. Moving along to year nine. Year nine is a time where I thought I had my life set and Eliza's in this story because we went to school together. And uh, in year nine, for some reason, up at Faith Lutheran Secondary College we attended, we were asked by the 40-hour famine to come along and be part of an advert, a filmed advert, up at Mount Theverdon. Sounds perfectly good. Get a couple of country kids, put them on a snowfield. What could possibly go wrong? And I thought, this is it. Oh, my goodness, this is it. This is my moment and I'm getting into TV. It's going to be brilliant. And I was just so thankful, like, this is it. I just thought... God's got me going here and this is where I'm going to go. I had a dream of getting into TV, where, how, what and why. I hadn't thought that part through. I know I just wanted to be on screen and uh, this was the moment. And my friends, including Eliza, were not helpful in that manner because they were going, Ames, this is your moment. This is so good. This is going to be brilliant. So there we are on the bus, the little mini bus going into town and they are egging me on beautifully. My ego has grown much larger than the bus was and I am having a great day. This is going to be it. I've got my hair perfect, my socks are perfectly scrunched with my, my track pants for the sport outfit. I'd even ironed my rugby top collar, that's how professional I was looking people, it was schmickers. Anyway, we get there into Mount Theban and we've got the producer there, we've got the mascot, we've got the whole film crew, there's lights, there's video cameras, everything is going on, I'm going, this is going to be good, this is going to be so perfect, like I'm on and off in my life, it's going to be brilliant. Anyway, so he explains to that all, a whole bunch of us girls, he said, right, what girls, what I want you to do is you've got some toboggans and you've got some snow skis. I want you to take the lift up and then I just want you to come on down the hill, sort of bit, bit by bit, sporadically, and as you go on down, I'm going to film you and we're going to have the presentation in front of you coming down Mount Thurbiton. Still to this day, I don't know why we were in Mount Thurbiton. It has no correlation to 40-hour famine, but we were there and that's what it was going on. So anyway, so I'm getting up and I've... I've never been in a set of skis before and I'm not sure if you have but when you cross them over it's like the word the cross makes a big x on the floor and that means no just no you don't move anywhere when your skis are crossed and if you bring them out then you sort of slide and stop and then if you go straight you go very very fast and straight and that's all they gave us we didn't have any practice <laughs> on any of these instruments so we're up on the top and you can see the camera go all right, girls, off you go. So a couple of toboggans go down, a couple of girls go on skis. They'd been skiing before. They looked fantastic. Went, well, <laughs> I've got this. Anyway, so I head on down and um, I'm skiing on down the hill and my feet are not quite catching because the, the snow wasn't soft snow, it was ice. So you sort of skate on it a little bit harder and then all of a sudden one ski's gone over and then all of a sudden I'm starting to go over and all of a sudden everything's going over and my arms are out here, my hair's out here, my scrunch socks are out here, skis are flying there and I am tumbling down the hill. I'm going, oh, no, no, please, no, stop. And all I can see is the sky, the girls, the cameraman, the sky, the girls, the cameraman. And I was just, oh, going, please don't stop in front of the cameraman. Please don't stop in front of the producer. Please don't stop in front of everyone. And I go down, 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 down. Whoosh, poof. 
and the producer comes over in absolute awe and shock and goes, oh my gosh, are you all right? <laughs> oh, my hair's everywhere, my arms and legs are tangled up, I look like a bowl of wool in human form. And I was just so embarrassed because this was my moment. I had crashed, literally, <laughs> and I did not get on screen, funny enough. All right, epic failure, wasn't perfect. Right, moving on. My husband and I got the privilege to go across to China and I was teaching over there in an international school. And the school we taught at started at two years of age and up and went through to year 12. Now, I've never taught before, but they had certainly... Um, guided me along the path and, and showed me what to do and what I had to do. And my colleague came across and said, oh, Amy, we've got parent-teacher interviews tomorrow. So I said, what? So well, we've got parent-teacher interviews. Oh, what, what do I do there? Well, we sit down and we discuss with the parents uh, how their child go is going and um, have some good chats and, and just discuss if there's any issues. Oh, okay, no worries. What do I need to do? Well, just make the place look really good. You're going to sit down with, the, with your Chinese colleague. I'm going to sit. We'll invite the parents to take a seat. And because our children were very small, I hadn't, <laughs> hadn't actually thought that I should get the bigger chairs. So <laughs> we're all tall, tall adults and we've got four small children chairs and that's what we sat on because that's what I thought of at the moment. So we're sitting down sort of quite low and scrunched and trying to sit up very professional, looking great. Trying to show that I know, knew what I was doing. And uh, my classroom was fantastic. I was very proud of it. It looked perfect. I had everything perfectly positioned. Frog will know this because I spent too, many, too much time in there. And uh, everything was right. The artwork was just, just fantastic, looking perfect. Everything was straight, neat. And the people that we were interviewing, and it's not to um, boast in any way who they were, but they were actually very high professionals. These were people that managed Zara. These were people that ma managed GM Motors and Microsoft. And so they had high expectations. And for me, that was the pressure to meet. And so I wanted to come across quite perfect and professional. So I'd sat through the final interview and uh, thought, actually that went quite well, quite well, Ames. Good job, yeah. And as I looked down, I had realised that my flyer had been open the entire session of the interviews with these high professionals. And again, the aim of perfection had failed greatly. They're just three snippets of stories in my life. And like I said, it's just the tip of the iceberg of where I have not got the perfect outcome of my perfect aim. And when you look into the Bible, the word perfect actually relates to God's love. He actually doesn't say, I want you to have the perfect life because you are perfect. Because in actual fact, we're not. We are made human. And I think you all know that we're pretty much so human on the inside and out. And our outcomes are what we do in life and not necessarily perfect. We might reflect that it might be, actually, that was just perfect. But our aim of our perf perfect life is not a sustainable thing because we are not made perfect for our intent. But God's love for us is made perfect. Matthew 5, verse 48, You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. That might contradict what I just said, but what it's referring to is it's actually God's love. Be perfect in your love. Be perfect in your action of love. For God's love is perfect. We aim for perfect in our lives. My gosh, don't we ever. But we are just human. If we accept our non-perfection, that's a good thing. 
and that's what I actually came to do in my life. You know, I can, I love, you know, organising events or, or rearranging things or making things, etc. And I aim for perfection. I aimed for perfection years ago, but I've stopped doing that to be what God has created to be and what that outcome is to be because that's okay. We don't have to be perfect. God's love is perfect. Surrender and live with perfect love. When we surrender the aim of having things right and the way we want it, then the life that we get given back from God's redeeming of that is sensational. You know, I left, uh, I think I reflected on this, I left a classroom and they're talking about their spiritual gifts in the classroom. So when you take hold of that and what God has created you in you to be, man, do you soar. But if you're stepping the other side and you're fighting it, you're going, well, I'm not forgiving that person. I'm actually not giving that person love. Actually, I've got it, God, don't stress. This is my problem. I'm going to take care of it. I know you know about it, but, you know, I've got it. We struggle, and the turmoil within that is crazy. And it pops out in all sorts of areas, in our, in our lives, in our circumstances, in our health, in our heart, in our mind. We don't sleep, struggle to eat. But when we cross across this other side and we surrender what we thought we had the perfect life and give it to God, man, he's going to make it great and he's going to give us that perfect love. Romans 3, verse 23, for all who have sinned fall short. God's love is perfect. We sang in the song just before, so let go my soul and trust in him. I encourage you folks just to let go. I I struggle with it still. I don't have a perfect outcome of that. I still struggle from day to day, but when I do, I see God's grace and excitement and glory in my life just flying. It's, it's just wonderful to be part of. I want to finish, folks, with just this reading. 1 John 4.17 In this way, love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment, because in this world we are like him. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear. Let me read that again. But perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. But God loves us perfectly, guys. I encourage you to, if you're struggling with things in life, you're struggling with things not being perfect, photocopy not being perfect, marriage not being perfect, house not being perfect, relationships not being perfect. Know that they're not meant to be and that's part of our journey and that's part of us being human and flexible and changeable. Ooh, flexible. Don't like being flexible. It means change. You've got to do it because God is teaching us, he's growing with us and learning within us for us to be part of his world and be a part of his kingdom. We're going to sing a final a song if that's all right. And reflect on that concept of 